0: On today's episode, we'll finish our top 10 series. You may hear a few surprises today. We'll reveal our top 10 starting pitchers. Plus, we'll discuss some of the big signings, trades, and injuries of the last week. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. Today we're gonna reveal our top 10 starting pitchers for the 2022 fantasy baseball season. And, you know, some we've talked about already, so we'll focus on ones that we haven't discussed that much, players we find interesting that you may wanna consider. That Hansel's so hot right now. And before getting into pitching rankings, you know, we have to talk about the impact of the shortened season, uh, the, the shortened spring training rather, which is 100% going to affect starting pitchers. We might not see a quality start for like 3 weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. you know, if you're in a quality start league, which I'm I'm in a quality start league, it's going to be so important to find those guys in drafts who are highly, you know, highly ranked in quality starts and And lock them down and and you need to be aware of pitchers who are going, going deep and pitchers who are absolutely not going to go deep in those first couple of weeks, no matter what type of league you're in. And I've also, since I've made my rankings in, in the last like week that we've had players, you know, come, come to spring training, I've had to rearrange these rankings because people are coming in with injuries, people are coming in with soreness, people are getting injured and we're getting all this news, and so I've had to kind of shift some things around, which which we'll get to. Um, and I also have a running list of injuries on our Twitter page at Fastball Pod, so check that out and be kept up to date on on injuries and and what's happening there. So we're we're doing we're doing our top ten pitchers. I think there's a million different combinations of of how you can organize them I think almost everybody is going to have Garrett Cole as their number one starting pitcher and both you and I do Mm -hmm. so not including 2020 Cole has the second most quality starts of all pitchers in baseball since 2017 he is tied with uh uh Julio Urias and wins since 2020 Last season, he had a higher ERA than his expected ERA, so you got to figure he he probably should have actually done better last season than he did. Since his debut in 2013, only four pitchers have a higher fan graphs war than Cole, and that would be Scherzer, DeGrom, Kershaw, and Sale, which is really good company to be in. He's also fourth in wins since his 2013 debut, fourth in strikeouts since then, and 12th among Starting pitchers in ERA since then, absolute stud. He's super durable. Like, how? I would love to hear an argument against Cole for being the number one starting pitcher off the board.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't see anybody making it. I'd love to share a quick little note in my fantasy career. I uh, I have been a huge Garrett Cole guy from the very very start, um, and uh, when it came to the 2015 season. Um, I made him uh, a keeper of mine, um, which was pretty unfortunate at the end of the 2015 season because he had a really good season. And, of course, you keep a 24-year-old uh, guy who, uh, who pitched 32 games and, and had 208 strikeouts. Um, <laughs> uh, and then his age 25 season, well, it ended up being the worst season of his career. But at the time, I had to make a decision between Corey Kluber and keeping Garrett Cole. I, of course, uh, made the wrong decision in keeping Corey Kluber. And I've regretted it ever since. Been yeah. Thinking, <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> uh, Garrett Cole, of course, goes on to become the pitcher that he is the most dominant pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. Except for when you've got an entirely full season of my number two guy, which is uh, Jacob DeGrom. Um, in my opinion, I don't care about the injury prone nature of, of his body. Uh, give me as many shares of Jacob deGrom as possible, unless Garrett Cole is still on the board. Um, I, what can you say about Jacob deGrom hasn't already been said? Uh, he, he's, he's, he's only added more miles per hour to his fastball in the last couple of years. Um, and, and before he got hurt last year, he literally w- was, was going to have the best pitching season, uh, ever on record. Uh, and then he just, he, he, uh, unfortunately took, took a hit. And, uh, and now you see draft boards starting to try and change now that he's been announced to be the opening day Mets starter. Um, and so when I saw that, like you had mentioned, Taylor, uh, you, you know, you make these rankings, and then you have to adjust them because you, we're, we're we're finally getting new information. Um, and once uh, Degrom was announced, the opening day starter for the Mets, I'm 100 in.
0: Yeah, you and I have our two and three pitchers flipped. You have ground two and Burns three. I have Burns two and Degrom three. And just to kind of stay on the ground train, he was like you said, he was on his way to maybe the best season ever by a pitcher before he got injured and. That the thing that worries me most about him is that basically his elbow explodes, uh, you know, because of the because of the the velocity he's throwing with, and it's not like he's this big dude that has a ton of muscle packed on. He's kind of wiry, and and those sorts of guys. You look at uh, Tyler Glass now, right? Those sorts of guys who throw that hard tend to get injured he he got his fastball velocity up to 99 uh miles per hour last season his era before he was shut down was 108 and the crazy thing is that all of his expected era metrics were all sub two as well like it's unreal he had the highest uh canine rate of his career at 14 i would have him number one i would have him as my number one pitcher if it weren't for the the injury risk and that's part of the reason why I rank Corbin Burns a higher than him so we saw the breakout coming with Burns during the 2020 season so what changed I, w- I was thinking about this what changed between his 2019 season when he had an eight ERA and his 2020 season when he had a 211 ERA and basically the same amount of innings he threw 10 more innings In 2020, than he did in 2019. So it's not like a crazy sample size difference thing. Mm -hmm. What he did, he dropped his fastball usage by 20%. He dropped his slider usage by 20%. And he added an absolutely devastating cutter and a changeup. And he increased his curveball usage. Uh, He dropped his hard hit rate each of the last three seasons. His barrel rate allowed has dropped 4% each of the last three years, and his ground ball rate has gone up each of the last three years. And the reason is that cutter curve and change-up mix. Mm-hmm. Those three pitches have whiff rates of 32%, 50%, and 45% respectively from last season. None of his pitches had higher than a 267 expected batting average against, which was his fastball, which he threw the fewest among all of his pitches uh, a couple other things since 2020 nobody has a higher strike uh, K nine rate than burns he has the highest fan graphs war since 2020 for pitchers he has the highest strikeout percent among qualified starters since 2020 and also since 2020 i shared this on the on the first episode of the season but i love this stat so much since 2020, he's pitched 226 and two-thirds innings, and he's given up nine home runs during that span. Marcus Stroman has pitched. Oh, sorry, all other qualified pitchers have allowed 17 or more home runs since 2020. And For perspective, Marcus Stroman has allowed 17 home runs in 179 innings since 2020. Tyler Molly has pitched 227 and two-thirds innings since then and has allowed 30 home runs patrick corbin has pitched 237 so 11 more innings than corbin burns and has allowed 47 home runs that is how good corbin burns is it's unbelievable so there there is no like imminent threat of injury for me and his stuff is just as filthy as as de grams so it's, yeah. it's you know, I, I I would I would be happy with either one, but I would be more at ease with Burns.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't fault you there. I think it was pretty cold blooded for you to do that to Patrick Corbin. By the way, you got to draw a touch to that poor guy. Just yeah, it's, it's been
0: bad. It's been <laughs> bad. Um, at number four, I have Max Scherzer, and you have uh, Walker Bueller. So a little tidbit here about Max Scherzer. Since 2015, nobody has more strikeouts than, than Max. Not counting 2020, the last time he had fewer than 230 strikeouts in a season was 2011. Also not counting 2020, the last time he had an ERA over three was 2014. He has the most quality starts since 2017, not counting 2020. And 2008 and 2009 were the only seasons in his career where he had more losses than wins. If there is one knock against Max Scherzer, it's that he does allow some home runs to escape, but he does so many other things well that it doesn't matter. He is getting up there in age, which I know you're worried about, but man, he's just so good. He's so consistent. He's... he's, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting out of
1: him. Well, we know what we have gotten out of him. And that's the thing. I know that we have gotten a lot of really stressful innings on that arm. And I get it. He's an insane human being. Uh, and you love him. I love everybody, loves Max. But I mean, if I got to choose between the two guys of, of Walker Bueller and Max Scherzer for me, um, it, I, I just I have more faith in Bueller having a healthy season at this point than I do Max Scherzer. Um, and I know I sort of threw health out the window for DeGrom, but that was a kind of a different argument. I mean, I, I, we clearly both kind of feel the same way. No matter what, Max is below DeGrom. And, oh, my gosh, that's the same staff now as it's just remembering <laughs> my brain. That's horrible. <laughs> but also the thing that separates uh, Walker Bueller from Max Scherzer and actually every other single pitcher in the league since 2017 is that no pitcher has had tighter pants since <laughs> Walker Bueller's debut. Robbie, and, Robbie uh, Ray is up
0: there. Robbie Ray is up there.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, he is, but it's not as tight as Walker though. <laughs> I think Robbie Ray's packing, uh, packing a bigger, bigger caboose in those pants. Probably it makes it seem a little tighter. Walk, walkers is a stick figure and then, man it's like they painted on <laughs> so um also i i like i like the defense behind walker bueller um whereas i'm not i'm not certain how i feel about the mets defense um so for me you know it came down to you know really the the, the separator between the two was was health concerns uh in fact i ended up putting another pitcher ahead of Scherzer here. Um, we're talking about durability um, and, and velocity and strikeouts uh, from my, my boy, um, Zach Wheeler, Uh big, big fan of wheels. I know you are too. Um, but if I had to choose between Wheeler, I, I kept asking myself this question, like with Scherzer, do I have anybody else ahead of him? Like would i rather this guy or Scherzer, and there was only four people ahead of him five i think it was five people and Wheeler's one of those guys
0: yeah so i actually dropped wheeler out of my top 10 for two reasons uh one he he's in camp with a sore shoulder and after throwing 200 plus innings coming in with a sore shoulder it's not something you want to see the other thing is the the phillies had like a historically bad Defense last season, and then they just added Nick Castellanos and Kyle Shorber that, that okay. Alex Bohm, bad third baseman. Dita mm-hmm. Gregorius, bad shortstop. Reese Hoskins, bad first baseman. Uh, left field, probably Schwarber, Who knows who's playing center field? Oduble Herrera, maybe. Uh, who, who's gonna play? It's gonna
1: be Oduble. Yeah. Who is a liability?
0: uh yeah like this is not a good this is not a good defense behind him and uh that kind of scares me off a little bit and the the coming in with the sore shoulder scares me off a little bit I, I mean I dropped him to 11 so it's not like I dropped him to like 30 or whatever but uh yeah I mean he's durable uh typically but You don't like I I don't we're gonna go over some injuries later and you don't like to see pitchers coming in with with sore shoulders so at so at number four again you I had Max Scherzer you had Bueller five you have Wheeler and I have Walker Bueller and a couple other little things real quick on Bueller he's one of four pitchers who had 200 innings pitch last year he had a nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, last year, and has met that mark every year of his career. He's top 20 in quality starts since 2017, not including 2020, and he had the most quality starts last season uh, with 27. He is really good at inducing ground balls. His BABIP was a little low, meaning he probably got a little lucky last year, but even, even so, his ERA maybe. His ERA shouldn't have gone up that much. I don't think he's still really good. The he's got a slider cutter change uh, that he um, has increased usage of last season, and he decreased his fastball usage, which is following a lot of trends that uh, around the league uh, in the last couple of years. And he's just a solid, solid pitcher, easy top five uh, guy. There at number six, you have Scherzer who you've uh, discussed here. And I have Julio Urias. He is tied for Garrett Cole with the most wins in baseball since 2020. He got up to 185 innings last year. And I think we see him inch a little closer to that 200 inning mark this year. He limits walks and home runs. Babbitt didn't seem to factor in too much. It was only like very slightly than his norm. And so, was a home run to fly ball rate, so I don't buy. You know, some of the some of the advanced ERA metrics had him as like a three five three six ERA, and I I don't buy that. Um, I think his two ninety six ERA was pretty legit. He leaned a lot on his fastball curveball combo last year, and it worked really well. His curveball is basically unhittable, and if he keeps leaning on that, he's going to be really good again.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Julio Urias too. Uh, he's in my top ten, uh, but I have him down at number nine. Um, but uh, yeah, they finally kind of they've they've taken the kid gloves off of him. They're yeah. letting him go. Yep. Um, and, and I think we, as a fantasy community, have been waiting for that for a while. Uh, his potential has always sort of been palpable. We knew what he was kind of capable of. Uh, they called him up at his age twenty season. I think was he nineteen when he came up? I think he was uh, nineteen. Yeah, and, and it's just been uh, – we've just been wondering, like, okay, when are they going to let him go? Um, and uh, last year we were treated to a really, really uh, amazing season, really what we all kind of knew and expected that could ha- come out of this, out of this guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I support him being up higher. It, it, this is so hard, man. It was so hard. Yeah. Like, trying to rank these guys, like there's so much to like about so many of these guys. That, I mean, if we're going to be honest here, it doesn't there's we're splitting hairs like you're going to be happy with any of these guys uh, in the top top 10 and even some of these lists like you find a little bit of uh, more to separate players. Um, but when it comes to pitching, you know, even from five to 10, five to like 15 in, in, in anybody's ranks, you would be ha- happy to have some of these guys.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean. We're talking about the 10 best pitchers in baseball, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: If you're, if you're getting one of these guys in your fantasy baseball drafts, you're happy. At uh, at number seven, we both have uh, Brandon Woodruff. He gets better and better every year. He has improved his walks per nine rate each of the last four years. He's improved his ERA each of the last three years. I do see a little regression coming Uh, This season, because his Babip was a bit low last year. So I think his ERA probably going to land somewhere in that like low three ERA range. He ticked up his curveball usage last year that had a 31% whiff rate, just absolutely dirty, and a 140 batting average against. uh, He's got filthy stuff, and that pitching, that rotation is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
1: that's so dumb. I, it's crazy to think what they've, what they've done out of these guys. I mean, honestly, you take two and a half years back and you, nobody really cared about any of these guys. You know, they weren't really that high on prospect rankings. You got to give a lot of credit to the pitching coaches over there. And I don't know. I haven't taken the liberties to figure out the names of those guys. But, um, you know, it's kind of similar to, to what they, they're doing in, in uh, San Francisco. You know, you're, you're squeezing every ounce of juice out of each of these guys. Uh, and it's because you have the the right game plan. You've done the right study on, on the arms and what these guys are capable of. Um, you know, and that bleeds into your number eight. Uh, so go ahead, take it away. A guy that I love too. Uh, yes.
0: So Freddie Peralta, he had a three-pitch mix uh, for the last few years. And then last season, he added a sinker and a changeup. His pitch mix and it actually improved all of his other pitches. All of his other pitches did better this year than they did last year with those two other pitches added into the mix. So it's interesting how they kind of like play off of each other. His fastball slider and curveball were his three most used pitches last season, and none had a higher batting average against than 158 or an expected batting average against than 167. So those pitches were nasty. They all had whiff rates higher than 28%, including a 43% whiff rate on his slider. He definitely, definitely benefited from BABIP. So you have to expect his regression, uh, expect some regression to his ERA this year. I would like to see him decrease his walks. He gives gives up uh, three walks per nine innings. So I'd like to see that go down and I'd like to see him get into that 175, 180 innings pitch range this year, which I think is pretty reasonable. So that's kind of where I'm at on on Freddie Peralta. I think the stuff is there. And if he can keep keep from walking more than three batters and per nine innings, we're looking at definitely one of the best pitchers in baseball.
1: I hope that's the case, too, because I really like the guy. Um, But, you know, you've cited some pretty big things there that I'm really concerned about because that BABIP uh, cannot be replicated, right? Um, So what happens when uh, he continues walking the guys at the same rate uh, that he did last year and instead of those balls being uh, hit into gloves, they're actually hits? Um, I think you kind of just start to see a little bit of unraveling, your innings go a little bit longer, you're giving up more runs. Um, I would love to see him pitch 180 innings. That would be incredible. I think you're right. Like, if he can somehow limit the walks, uh, we could see the best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, But to me, uh, I've yet to see that. And um, I I just – it's hard for me to imagine that he has a better season – this year than he did last year. Um, and with that said, my number eight uh is Aaron Nola, who I fully expect to have a better season uh this year than last year. I, I'm pretty sure when it came to advanced metrics uh across the board, you would look at Aaron Nola's uh 2021 season and say that he was the unluckiest pitcher in baseball. Um, he, he just one easy thing to, to see here would be taking his ex ERA and his ERA, right? He finished with an ERA of 4.63. His expected ERA was 1.3 uh, points lower at 337. And 337 lines up with where, just about where his career average would be um, on a career that has sort of been up and down. Right, uh, just looking back uh, at 2017, his age 24 season, uh, where he made 27 starts, he had a 3.5 ERA. Then he d- dives down in probably his best season in 2018, he had a 2.37 ERA. Then we jump back up in 2019 to 3.87, then lower by a half run in 2020, and then really pretty bad uh at 4.63 last season um but the the metrics are saying that he pitched really well he just got unlucky um and, and uh i i'm with you i feel like the first thing you're going to say is it's philly's defense right <laughs> which I, yeah. don't, I don't i don't blame you i don't blame you the Phillies defense is going to be really bad but they're going to score a lot of runs so that would qualify both wheeler and Knoller for more wins and this all balances out
0: <laughs> they're, they're gonna win a lot of nine eight games this year
1: yeah yeah
0: uh at number nine numbers nine and ten are two of my favorite pitchers for this year and we've already talked about them so I'm not gonna like go into a ton of detail here my number nine is Miami starter Sandy Alcantara he has the highest average fastball velocity in baseball among qualified starters since 2020 he through his fastball, his fastball averaged 98.1, uh, 98.1 miles per hour last year. He's one of f- four pitchers to get to 200 innings pitch last year. He improved his walks per nine and ground ball rate last season to the best numbers of his career so far. Really leaned on the changeup, 30% whiff rate on his changeup. And his average launch angle against the changeup was a negative one degree. So people are basically just hitting it straight into the ground when they do make contact. And I just really like him. He's durable. He's a good pitcher, great fastball, good, good mix of fastball and off speed. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, and, and I, we, have, we, you can't say we've seen his best yet. He's so young. So uh, I'm excited for him this season. Number nine, you have Julio, Hui covered already Mm. at number 10 I have Shane McClanahan uh, for Tampa Bay we've talked about him in previous episodes so the summary for him basically across the minors and in the majors last season he's never averaged less than 10 strikeouts per night he limits walks he throws hard last year his slider and curveball each had about 40 percent uh whiff rates he does get a lot of hard contact. He induces a lot of hard contact and needs to raise his ground ball rate uh, that he allows to hitters. If he can do those things, increase the chase rate, all of which he should be able to do. His stuff is so good. The only, the only knock I would say against him going into this season is he probably doesn't pass 150 innings. but but the 130 140 150 innings that you do get are going to be spectacular
1: yeah yeah i think the the rays are going to figure out a way to string him out throughout the season i think we're going to see a lot of five start five inning starts um
0: i wouldn't bank on a lot of quality starts out of him yeah yeah i love the guy too
1: i think you know if this were 2023 uh, we're, we're having a different conversation and he's on a different place in this list because uh, he'll have the ability to pitch more innings. Yep. Um, theoretically. Uh, and, you know, we get to this point in this list where like now we have to leave people off and I had to do that without, without, without Contra, um who I wanted to talk about, you know, but there's somebody else here that I need. It's a must have guy for me. So I made him number 10, basically because I can't leave a draft without acquiring Logan Webb. Um, I, I, I love Logan Webb and it's all about pitch mix for this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Now um, the the concern here for Logan Webb though, is, is injury concern. He had a a shoulder injury. Uh, His his first couple starts to start the year really weren't that hot, Uh, but his final 12 starts, he, he was, he, he was one of the best pitchers on the planet. Uh, and if you watch the starts uh, in the playoffs against the Giants, you you would think to yourself, well, this guy's going to win a Cy Young at some point. Um, I I I can't get enough of Logan Webb. Um, and if he can, fig- the only knock here is durability. Can he can he string together uh, you know 150 to 180 innings um, somewhere in that window? I think I think we can see that. You know, and I think that's really the last thing that he has to prove. Um, but he's only 25. So, you know, you, 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 he has that sort of next step to make. And I, I'm kind of banking on this guy being the version of a Corbin Burns breakout for me. Um, you know, I, I want to be riding this train, you know, as opposed to standing here a year, a year from now and saying, oh, I didn't have any shares of, of, of the of the 2022 version of Corbin Burns, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to this podcast and you've been listening to this podcast, you know how I feel about San Francisco pitchers. So, you know, I love Logan Webb. I have him just outside of my top 10. He is my 13th ranked pitcher. Uh, So that's our top 10 starting pitchers. That's the end of our top 10 list. Uh, We're going to get more focused on spring training and, and heading into that. And so we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back to recap some of the big moves of the last week. That's right after a word from our sponsor. So we got a couple big free agent moves to cover this week. And, and again, you know, we're, we're recording this on Monday. So people are gonna get signed on Tuesday and Wednesday and you're gonna to listen to this on Wednesday and go, whoa, why aren't they talking about so-and-so getting signed? <laughs> because we recorded on Monday. So <laughs> Chicago signs outfielder Seiya Suzuki. It was an interesting – This I don't know if this surprised you. It kind of, like, so caught me off guard a bit, uh, signing by the Cubs. You would think at this point Ortega or Hayward is the odd man out there, probably Hayward going to DH or something like that. I I, I was, like, very surprised by this signing
1: yeah i didn't i did in fact when they when they made the signing I thought it was a mistake <laughs> i I thought what I was reading was an error you know? <laughs> I, I didn't see it coming at all i just it wasn't i didn't read that anywhere
0: yeah I, I was planning on like a west coast team or Boston there was there were a lot of rumors about him signing with Boston but uh, one thing that I kind of noted about a bunch of these signings is A lot of them have kind of ripple effects with the rest of the lineup. Uh, Philly signing outfielder Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. This was also kind of interesting to me that they signed them both because both guys really are horrendous outfielders, horrendous fielders, and are so much more suited for designated hitter. But they signed both of them. Mm -hmm. So you figure Schwarber is going to be the left fielder. Although you would assume he gets some DH time. Mm-hmm. So, where, where last week we were talking about Schorber maybe losing his outfield eligibility, now it looks like he's definitely going to keep it. Yeah. But this probably means Nick Castellanos is going to lose his outfield eligibility. Mm. But it's also weird because when you want to play real Mudo at dh too like wouldn't wouldn't you want to get him more innings at that mm-hmm. so you are going to have to find ways to get castellanos and schorbert and you know all those other you know, real Mudo, hoskins like those guys have to be in the lineup
1: yeah i think it definitely hurts uh ramuda's um you know d- draft capital Uh, he's, he's probably going to lose some, some, some rounds of, of, uh, of draft because of this signing, these two signings. Um, yeah, I thought after they signed Schwarber that Castellanos was over. I didn't, I I wrote it off immediately. Uh, and then to read that (laughs) later on in the week, uh, total shock to me. I mean, they're going to be fun to watch and also super frustrating to watch. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it works.
0: <laughs> the uh the Yankees re-sign first baseman Anthony Rizzo. Smart signing adds the balance to the lineup. Good for Rizzo, too. It's a good park. Um, so not not surprised there. What was surprising was Colorado signing Chris Bryant. This hey. was a head scratcher. I don't get the move for either of them. And as far as like rankings wise you kind you have to move him up in in rankings okay. at every position because that course effect is real mm-hmm. that you, you imagine it would result in an improved batting average improved power stats but he's probably not picking up a ton of rbi in that lineup
1: yeah that's it's a good point um and it's it's really good for you know, I, if he has third base eligibility still in all leagues, I mean, from a position that really is lacking, uh, you just suddenly saw a guy jump up that yeah. list. Uh, yeah. So it's, it is good. It's good for it's good for him. It's good for fantasy in general. But, man, what what is what is this? What is this organization doing? They it never <laughs> understand what they're doing. Like how did, uh,
0: they are what? not run well. No, it's terrible. Probably probably the biggest move of free agency so far. the Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman. It's hard to think that he can get better, but and maybe he doesn't get better. Maybe he adds some more runs or RBI, but what he does do is make the entire rest of that lineup better. Mm-hmm. Bets Bets and Turner, you know, they they get a little uptick. I like this for Muncie, especially because now he can just DH. You don't have to worry about his elbow so much and him, you know, throwing and things like that. Bellinger, it solidifies him as a full-time outfielder. What this hurts is Gavin Lux because you would assume Chris Taylor's going to get the bulk of the second base innings unless he, you know, goes off the rails, but this is terrible for Gavin Lux. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh there's a chance though that you got the second half Chris Taylor or the you know the 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 last quarter of the season Chris Taylor, which was right. pretty good. Um, right. I mean he was so good for you know 70% of the season. Um so maybe it's not all maybe it's not all over yet for for Gavin Lux, but man, that is that's a humongous uh tick against him. Yes. you're right.
0: Uh, Atlanta signed closer, Kelly Jansen. I re- I really thought he was going to like Miami or something uh, where there was not a clear closer in place already. So this surprised me. It deepens the Atlanta bullpen, but man, our Will Smith owners upset right now.
1: Yeah. I, and God, we didn't necessarily talk about this very much, but if you're a Braves fan and now what you have to hold in your hand is basically, Kenley Jansen and Matt Olson, and what you gave up is Freddie Freeman, uh, Pache, uh, the lat, the really good uh, catching prospect, and two Lane other wears. guys. Yeah, like, are you happy about this? I, I just don't, I just don't know if that, if you could take a step back, and just look at this on paper. Is, is this, is, is this what you're going to be okay with for your franchise to be making these moves and giving up? Uh, you know, your franchise guy. Um, that's got to be really tough for Atlanta fans. It's so, to me, the Kenley Jansen signing is like, hey, we we're still signing, you know, big big things just to make up for, you know, mm-hmm. losing Freddie Freeman. Um, I think Kenley's on his,
0: you know, on his last
1: legs here too.
0: Yeah, so, and it, it clears the way for Blake Chynan in LA.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you're totally right about that. That's that's great. It's a good point.
0: Minnesota signed shortstop Carlos Correa. So I saw people on Twitter saying that like this was a bad move and like why would he go there? Look at the lineup around him: Sano, Polanco, Kirillov, Kepler, and Buxton. That's a lot of power in the lineup. Correa is going to get on base, and he's got good, pretty, pretty good players around him that are going to get him home. What this also does is, I think, I think Polanco already had. Second base eligibility, I could be wrong, uh, but I think in a lot of leagues he had second base and shortstop eligibility. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a chance he moves to third base, too, because uh, they have Arias who can also play third base and second base. So there's added value for Polanco, depending on that. That's something I'm watching in spring training is where are they playing Polanco in the field? How are, mm. how are they aligning their players? Because I think some there could be some interesting positional eligibility, eligibility things there. Mm. And then Boston signed Trevor Story, another kind of surprise for me. You would assume Story plays second base, so he's going to add second base eligibility. And I think that offsets the loss in value of leaving cores. And yes, Fenway is hitter-friendly, the AL East parks are hitter friendly, but there is nothing like playing in quarters. It's like an automatic 10 point boost to your batting average and like a five, five home run boost. And you're, you're losing some of that, but also gaining second base eligibility. So I think like, I'm not, I'm not going to move him up or down in my rankings. I'm just going to kind of like leave him the same. I think it's a wash for me basically.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you have, if you have to leave cores i think this is you know it's like the best scenario literally a best case scenario for for trevor story and anybody who owns them currently who already had a draft um you you could not have been happier you probably got him at a discount at this point so uh congrats to, to you trevor story owners
0: and let's get into a few trades
1: deal or no deal
0: so two big trades happened. Uh, third baseman Matt Chapman goes to Toronto for prospects. He's been declining a bit in terms of average the last few years. So I wonder if it moved to a different park, new lineup, new coaching changes that, but it's definite upgrade to his power numbers, playing in those AL East parks instead of uh, in Oakland. Also Oakland has a really big foul territory and I, I want to, I, I'm curious to see if that improves his batting average, losing that. Um, and then the Padres acquired first baseman Luke Voigt from the Yankees. Voigt, you, you got to move him up your first base rankings now because he now has a path to playing time as a full-time DH. And even if he's not the DH, maybe he's playing first base and uh, Hosmer DHs. I, I love this move for him. Yes, he's losing a bit of value in terms of the park, but he he has playing time now. He's got a clear path to playing time, and half the battle is finding players with opportunity, and he's got the opportunity. And
1: that's a great lineup to, to be able to head into. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for him. I, I, he's a target of mine now, for sure. All
0: right, we're going to take a look at injuries next. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. We've got some injuries already starting to pile up, and we've got a rolling list going over on our Twitter at FastballPod. So uh, follow us there. Keep you know make sure you're in the loop. Some I am particularly particularly concerned about. You know they could impact rankings or draft value. So Arizona's starting pitcher Zach Gallen and. Philadelphia starting pitcher Zach Wheeler both came into camp with sore shoulders. Uh, Gallon was plagued by injury all last year. Wheeler had a great season, on the other hand, but he threw a lot of innings. And I am dropping both pitchers in my rankings because of that concern. Both did pitch bullpen sessions recently, but you still don't like to see... Pitchers coming into camp with sore shoulders. It probably means that their managers are going to be a little more easy with them. Atlanta outfielder Ronald Acuna. So the news with him was that he wasn't going to be ready until May. But with a DH in Atlanta now, there's a good chance that the manager will throw him in to the DH slot in late April. uh, That's the news coming out of Atlanta I knocked him slightly in my rankings. I'll probably put him up a little bit higher uh, in my outfield rankings. I, I still think he ends up being more cautious on the base paths. We don't see as many steals coming back from that knee injury. Baltimore catcher Adley Rutchman has a triceps injury, which is going to keep him in the minors for a few extra weeks. So if you're like me and and you're you know hopeful that, that he was going to come up and we were going to see this this stud prospect uh, soon well we are we got to wait a little longer. Boston starter Chris Sale said he won't be ready to start the season, so I'm dropping him in my rankings. Uh, Houston starting pitcher Lance McCullers, he says his elbow's fine but he's dealing now with a flexor tendon strain in his forearm which is almost always a precursor to Tommy John. So I'm staying far away from Lance McCullers. Miami's starting pitcher, Sixto Sanchez, there's so much going on with him. We, t- we talked about him at the end of last season, how there's, you know, this this uh, argument going on w- between him and Miami management in terms of his rehab and in terms of his shoulder issues and everything. So there's there's some serious problems going on there both physically with him and between him and the team. So that's another player where I'm just kind of staying away. San Diego shortstop outfielder Fernando Tatís. So this is his case is interesting. Right, he broke his wrist. But the question is can he still provide you with top 75 top 100 value even in half a season? And the crazy thing is, is maybe, you know, there's a, there's a shot. He still goes 2020, even in three months, broken wrists, sat power, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. He, he hits the ball so hard already. Uh, It's, you know, it's one of those things where I'll have to wait and see, but you have to take him down in your rankings. If he was the second player, first or second player off the board, you got to put him, Maybe in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, starting pitcher Jack Flaherty, St. Louis pitcher. He has a shoulder tear. He's getting shut down for two weeks. I've I've never been a Jack Flaherty believer, really. I've I've always seen flaws in his in his command and his mechanics, and this is probably related to that. Uh, Washington starting pitcher Steven Strasburg is slowly recovering from thoracic outlet surgery, but is still not ready to start. And he said he's going to need an extended spring training, although he's feeling good. This is uh, you know, another player where you you kind of have to mitigate expectations a little bit. It's He's like, a, I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. Uh, Milwaukee infielder Luis Urias is going to be shut down for two weeks with a quad issue. He's going to miss opening day. He's one of my favorite uh, buy low kind of players in the in the draft uh, sleeper type player, but uh, I'm going to have to drop him in my rankings a little bit. Mets outfielder Starling Marte has an oblique injury. He had not resumed hitting as of last Sunday. Uh, 20th, I think it was. Um, he will be playing in the outfield in a minor league game this week. So that's something to watch. Philly outfielder Odubo Herrera has an oblique strain. He's out four to six weeks. St. Louis relief pitcher Alex Reyes is being shut down for at least four weeks with a shoulder issue. Definitely don't want to see that. And then Washington third baseman Carter Keboom has a flexor mass strain and a sprained UCL in his right elbow. Definitely not good. This this could mean Tommy John, which is uh, you know terrible for a for a fielder, just you know as it is for anyone. Uh, he's now on the sixty day IL, and Michael Franco is now the Nats starting third baseman. So bump him up in your rankings. Nice little sleeper there. So make sure to tune in over the next few weeks. And I keep saying this, but we do have more MLB beat writers on. We will have Diamondbacks writer Nick Picoro on next week. We also have an interview with Pirates writer uh, Alan Saunders and White Sox uh, reporter Scott Merkin to share with you. So definitely tune in. You do not want to miss them as you plan for your upcoming drafts as you get ready for the season. Make sure you subscribe, tune in, so you're notified when those episodes publish. Pay attention on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, and Instagram as well. And speaking of, in the meantime, you can tweet us at Pod, reach out to us on Instagram at Baseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com and we'll respond. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating helps move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms, when people search for fantasy baseball, so it really helps me and Matt out. And thanks for listening.